0: you ready for the word? Come on. Um, I'm, I'm ready for the word. I'm ready to bring the word. And and let me just pray before I do. And um, we'll go from there. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. And thank you that I, I believe um, your presence has the ability to change anybody. The coldest heart, the hardest heart, the blind person coming to see, the dead man coming to life. Holy Spirit. Only you can do that. Only you can make that happen. So I just pray that your word would come alive in people's hearts this morning and you'd help me to communicate what it is that you have given me. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So today what I want to do is I just want to, I guess, continue on the theme that we've been kind of touching on lately, which is you know, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. We, we serve a king. And a cause, and I love to remind us of that often, because He is the King of Kings, no one like Him. And you know, when we talk about King Kings, we we might think um, in olden day times where there was a king on a throne and different things. But you know, we're talking about even the, the the people in society that are that are, or even ourselves, who sometimes you know become great in our own right or whatever. There is only one King, and we every one of us take off any crown, any achievement, anything, and we bow down to the one King, Jesus Christ. He is King. And so today, I just want to preach a sermon that I've titled, The Shepherd, The Shepherd King. He is the Shepherd King. And our King Jesus, as I said, has many characteristics and is described in many different ways through Scripture. Some of them that we've looked at recently was, He is the King, the true vine. He is the true vine. And when we stay connected to Him, He's our life source. We become fruitful people because you know, we are the branches connected to the vine. And in Him, we are able to produce fruit. In Him, when we abide in Him and Him in us, it's a two-way thing. It's not just Him in us, it's us in Him. And Him in His Father and His Father in Him. It's a beautiful unity that we learn about, that we can live uh, and, and get a joy that cannot be compared to any other joy. The joy comes from having intimacy with our Saviour. The true vine, the other other attribute that we learned about recently was the servant king. Isn't he a servant king like no other? Showed us what servanthood looks like, washed his disciples' feet, and gave us a model of what we ought to live like and what we ought to be like, not to hold on to any titles or any, you know, this is who I am. And no, no, no. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could come and be a servant king, He teaches us also to be servants. And what a wonderful lesson that is. And of course, recently we talked about the beloved Son, He is the beloved Son of the Father, and He knew who He was. The reason why He was able to accomplish what He did on the cross. Was because he knew the love of the Father. And his his love for the Father caused him to be obedient right until death. We know that in the garden of Gethsemane he he said, you know, if, if if possible, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So we know that it wasn't an easy decision, but because he was the beloved son, knowing that his father had a mission and a purpose for him, he could go in that place and space and achieve what He did because of that intimacy that He had with His Father. And we, the, the mission is on us now. The mission is on us. And I encouraged us the other week to know the love of the Father like Jesus knew the love of the Father. It is available to you. The love of the Father is available for you just like it was for Jesus. Amen? Today, though, is Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And I couldn't think of a sermon better fit for this special day but to talk about the shepherd, the shepherd king. He is a shepherd king. And what an excellent clip that Well, we're about to show a clip. And then I'll share in a moment what I'm about to say. Sonny, if you
1: don't mind. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. Jews who heard these words were again divided. Thanks, honey. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed. So this clip, it's a beautiful visual
0: context of the passage that I want to speak from today. It's the Good Shepherd in action. We get to see kind of what I'm about to read and, and, and allow that to come to life as I read this passage. In John 10:1. it says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And there might be some here this morning, that as I read that passage, you are in the same boat. He's using an illustration, but you don't quite understand the things which Jesus is speaking of. So Jesus continues, and let's unravel a little bit of what Jesus is saying in this beautiful passage in John 10:7 it says this then Jesus said to them again most assuredly I say to you I am the door I am the door of the sheep I am the door of the sheep Jesus makes it very clear he is the only door unto salvation I am the door of the sheep Jesus sets the record straight. Not all paths lead to God. No, no, no. I am the door. In fact, John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Through Him. Through Him. Through Jesus. He is the door of the sheep. Only Him. John 10.8 says this, All who whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. There's two beautiful reminders in this verse, and let me share them with you. Make no mistake, there is a thief. There is a thief who would love to steal your soul. And for those who know Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, but for those who might not know Jesus Christ, the faith would love to steal your soul. The faith elevates other priorities over your pursuit of God. Even as Christians, right? If you're honest with me, if I'm honest with you, the enemy tries to elevate other priorities over our pursuit of God. He is a thief and he wants to steal our soul. It might be the priority of money, pleasure, power, pride, success, technology, self. Isn't that another big one these days? You know, everybody taking snapshots of of, of themselves and posting them online. And I'm not saying we haven't had a photo, a selfie, myself and Joe at times, but I'm talking about the the whole pursuit of self-worship, how the enemy would love to veer your focus away from Jesus Christ and to live for him and to focus it upon other things. The second part of the verse, if we can have that verse, it's still there, beautiful, Sonny, thank you. But the sheep did not hear them. Did not hear the thieves, they didn't hear them. The question is for today, the question is for us, whose voice are you listening to? Because there are different voices. Of course, the sheep do not recognize the thief's voice, therefore will not follow any thief. If you are following anything other than Jesus, maybe it's because you don't know or recognize The shepherd king's voice who calls and says, follow me, follow me. And we know his voice and we know that he is trustworthy and we follow him. John 10.9 says this, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The shepherd king, he offers us salvation through him. Salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from our sin, from our sinful nature, from our rebellion towards God. He offers us salvation through him. The verse also says, We'll go in and out and find pasture. We'll go in and out and find pasture. Pasture, you know what it means? It means nourishment. Pasture is nourishment, food necessary for your spiritual growth and health. The shepherd king leads us to that place of nourishment. Only Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy your hunger and your thirst. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not talking about the hunger that you have for chocolate. Who has hunger for chocolate? Good, a few of us. Right? Don't, don't worry about being ashamed. It's okay. It's Easter. We can all have a hunger for chocolate. Okay? Even if you're a training type, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about that hunger. I'm talking about only Jesus can satisfy your hunger and thirst. The kind of hunger and thirst that in Psalm 34:8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. One door to salvation, only Him. John 10.10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus in this verse, listen. He, re- he reveals the motive of the faith. What's the motive of the faith? Because do you know what? Here's the thing. When the enemy appeals to us or to people who do not know Jesus, he doesn't appeal to you in a way that might, might seem obvious. And yet its path leads to what? To destruction. It pa- its path leads to destruction a place away from God. Don't be fooled by the deceiver, the tempter, the devil, the father, as the Bible puts it, the father of lies. He won't reveal reveal this one thought or couple thoughts that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. I'll say that again. As he lures others, people who are not following him in, he doesn't reveal to you that as you take the bait, that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. That is the truth. Ultimately, church, his plan is, is to take you out. Make no mistake. And I, you know, I, I, I keep my ear um, close to what's happening in the world. And this is not to bring us down or anything like that. You, you, you hear and see a lot of crazy stuff going on. All in the name of inclusion. And yet it is a deceiver. An enemy who is on a mission to wipe out people by lying, by by giving them something that is absolutely false, a false sense of security, a false sense of hope, a false sense of peace that leads at the end to destruction. But Jesus, Jesus, He also reveals His motive in this verse. I have come. That they may have what? Have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. There's also another story in this verse. There's one that he, Jesus, the, the, the speaker of truth, the way, the truth, the life, shares the motive of the enemy. Make no mistake, don't be fooled. But then he also shares his plan, which is completely opposite that word abundantly you know what it means it's in the sense of beyond superabundant in quantity or superior in quality by implication excessive abundantly now of course it's not based on prosperity and i'm not here to preach a prosperity driven gospel now, you know you follow the lord you're going to be rich i'm not saying that at all i'm talking about the total being of a person the total being of a person mind soul spirit including health and well-being in the body mind emotions relationships and eternal life that's what i'm talking about abundant abundant life ultimately his plan his plan is for you to live life to the full and you know when i when i preach You know, from this pulpit, I never say that the Christian life is one that's going to be easy. I've never said that. I mean, you can just read story after story in the Bible where, you know, you see adversity. You see trials, troubles. But then you also see the response of a total being living in abundant life. Paul and Silas, what do they do? When bound in the inner, inner prison. What's their response? This abundant life. They begin to worship and praise our King. Something that only Jesus Christ can offer you. Make no mistake about it. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. The tempted, the, the, the deceiver will make things appealing and make things attractive, and yet they lead to destruction. Only Jesus Christ offers us this abundant Life, it's in Him, our total being. Let me finish with this verse. John 10, 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. No one else is good, by the way, but Him. I am the good shepherd. Powerful that He is saying, I am the good shepherd, because He's able to say it. None of us can. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. You know what He does? He gives His life for who? For the sheep. Who are the sheep? The sheep are you. The sheep sheep are me. He gives His life. Easter. What is Easter all about? Easter is all about the salvation story. Jesus willingly coming, as that beautiful video showed us, giving His life. Up so that He can take it up again. Take it up again, what does that represent? That represents conquering sin and death once and for all. He took it up again and He reigns. And now we can walk into a relationship with Him. Can I have the worship team come and join me? I didn't want to take too long. The shepherd king leads us. To paths of righteousness, abundant life, our total being, found in Him, in perfect unity and harmony, abiding with the Father, His Son, the Holy Spirit, us in Him, Him in us. There's nothing like it. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment?